Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's kick it off with a special thanks to our super producer and research associate for this episode, Mr. Max Williams. Ah, yes, Ululation indeed. Uh, They call me Ben. Uh, Noel, today we're talking about one of my favorite things, tiny nations. Micro, even, right? Is uh, there, this yeah. yeah, this like a micronation. It is definitely one of the smallest nations in the world that is still considered a nation. As a matter of fact, if you were based in the U.S., you might not have heard of a little old place called Andorra. <laughs> and uh, I like the way Max. I like the way you were playing with the research here. The title of this research, uh, and I don't know if we need to bleep this part, is "What the hell is Andorra?" I mean, what is it? I, I never heard of this. I've heard of some micronations, but I'm like, I have never heard of this one. And I started researching. I'm like, where is this one? Like, I know where these two other countries are, but I've never heard of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tiny independent thing called a co-principality in Europe. If you look at a map, you'll see that it's it's kind of plopped there in the southern peaks of the Pyrenees. It is bordered by France on the north and east and by Spain to the south and west. So it's kind of like imagine what's a good familiar border. Okay, imagine the border of the United States and Mexico, right? That's a just straight shot across the continent. What if there was another little place there and it was called, um, I'm just thinking, it was called Tex Mexico and it was, it was tiny. And the people who lived there spoke uh, maybe English or Spanish, whatever their lingua franca is, but it's still and a the, different place. And the rivers flow with Texas margaritas and mm-hmm. 
queso and chips. Um, the land is made out of salsa. Indeed. Uh, you know, it's funny. Andorra, I, I only ever really was aware of it because of the name of a really great album by the artist Caribou, which is sort of like a just one of several projects by the Canadian musician Dan Staith. And he has an album called Andorra. And it's like super folky, electronic kind of dream pop. And the cover does appear to be some sort of vaguely European uh, tulipy kind of um, scene, mm-hmm. sort of a, a landscape. So maybe, you know, there's really no specific thematic tie to this part of the world. But uh, that is where I first heard the name. And it is spelled exactly the same. So I, I believe it has mm-hmm. to be with the double R. Yes. Yeah, just so. Now, Andorra is not a member of the European Union, as we record, but it has been a member of the United Nations since 1993 it's a blink and you miss it spot on the map, but it's quite unique. It is, let's see, it's about three times the size of Liechtenstein, which <laughs> is even smaller, yes, and also a country. It is only about 181 square miles, or for everybody outside the U.S. in Namibia, 468 square kilometers. It's also 2.5 times the size of D.C., but it has a really small population, 77,500 people. Our question today, how did Andorra become a thing? Sometimes you have to look at places like Monaco or Liechtenstein or San Marino and Andorra and say, huh, how? How How is this a thing? Especially given that uh, European countries spent so much of history beefing and trying to conquer each other's territory. What made these scrappy little, little countries survive all those wars of conquest? I guess we have to start at the very beginning, right? Yeah, I, I, would, I would also just hazard a guess early on just kind of by being not that strategically important and uh, so small blinking you might miss it. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's not surprising that a lot of people don't learn too much about Andorra if they're not growing up in, you know, in the region where Andorra is located. So we know that for thousands and thousands of years, people have occupied the valleys of modern day Andorra. And you can find artifacts dating as far back as the Neolithic period and even the Bronze Age. That's right. And uh, it is uh, conjectured by many, you know, experts in this region that the aboriginal um, people who occupied this land originally were actually relatives of the Basque people of northern Spain, which has kind of like a dialect of Spanish and its own cuisine, which is uh, wonderful, by the way. If you're ever in Atlanta, I highly recommend checking out the Cooks restaurant and Cooks and Soldiers. Yes, indeed. Very, very good uh, Basque cuisine. And the word Andorra is believed to have been derived from the Basque language. I believe I misspoke earlier in saying that it was a dialect of Spanish. It is, in fact, its very own language. So this was a kind of tribally settled region in the country, um, and that includes other tribes, uh, such as the Iberians from the south and also the Andesinos. So at some point, we do have Andorra occupying a uh, admittedly small section of the Roman Empire. Uh, and when that went belly up, as we know, um, tends to happen with these massive empires, Andorra kind of did become a bit of a, of a gateway 
for tribes to the north, some of these barbarian hordes, to pass through from uh, Gaul into Iberia. Um, and we had tribes such as the Visigoths, uh, the Alans, and the Vandals leaving behind evidence of these, uh, of these trips. So, yeah, my conjecture earlier, too, probably a little not exactly on. Uh, this was, if a small window, something that could have been considered uh, helpful to control or at least to just kind of blast through because it was kind of a path through these different regions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so it became, as you said, kind of a gateway. It's also been independent for quite some time. Traditionally, you'll see the independence of Andorra ascribed to the one and only Charlemagne, not our pal from the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne the God, but his namesake, the ancient ruler Charlemagne. Uh, Charlemagne took the region back from Muslim forces in 803 CE, Common Era, and his son, Louis, also known as Louis I or Louis the Pious, gave the inhabitants of the area what was called a Charter of Liberties, recognizing some of their autonomy. Charlemagne's grandson, Charles II, gave Andorra to the Counts of Urgel, U-R-G-E-L. And this was some this sounds weird when we talk about it in the modern day, but it happened pretty often not just in Europe. Uh, it happened pretty often where some conquering force or governing force would say, I give this to you, I bequeath this to you. And this meant that the people who quote unquote owned the area would be able to um, get proceeds from taxes and levies and stuff like that. So Andorra was passed from the Counts of Urgel to the bishops of Urgel. And no, spoiler alert, the people living there had no say whatsoever in this. That's the, This is way before uh, voting was a big, big thing there. They then had like a spin doctor situation, that two princes <laughs> song, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Princes who adore you. One in Spain, one in France. Andorra owes their allegiance to both of them because Spain and France started uh, fighting over who was the head honcho of Andorra. And, you know, you, you think maybe this is a situation where each is getting like, I guess you don't really think of princes getting a salary per se. It's more of a birthright. And I guess I never really thought about that. Ben, you ever thought about how monarchs get paid? I always assume it's like with tribute or sort of like, you know, uh, what, what do you call it when gangsters go door to door and get their uh, their protection? Big? Yeah, they're protect. Yeah, they're vague. That's uh, that's all. I've always sort of likened uh, monarchies to that, but it was an issue because these two princes, I guess maybe each of them did half a job, but they both got a full paycheck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great for the uh, folks of Andorra because the Spanish bishop of Urgel and the French head of state got, like you said, an annual payment, a token tribute, and this unique geopolitical tension allowed Andorra to remain free for so long. Uh, they gained independence in 1278, and for the most part, they've been independent ever since, except for one, one really weird period of time. And that was in 1813, when the first French empire, under the, the leadership of Napoleon I, annexed Catalonia and divided it into sections, into fourths. Uh, with Andorra, along with that Bishop of Urgel, which I keep wanting to say Urkel, but yeah. that's fine. I will not, I will, I will resist that temptation. 
becoming part of one of the fourths being the district of Pugcerdia. 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 That's what I'm going to say. And then when Napoleon I was, in fact, defeated, this was undone. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the things Napoleon did as soon as he was out of power, uh, the European status quo and powers that be went, nope, psych, fake out, back to normal. And since 1806, the rights of this co-principality have belonged to the French head of state. They're technically now held by the French president. Look, with all this stuff, all this bureaucratic gobbledygook, it's understandable that it took the Andorran government a while to move toward a more modern political system. They actually had a feudal system of government until 1993. That's when they adopted a constitution that knocked down the power of these co-princes and established stuff that we think of as basic in democracy today. The day one things, an executive, legislative, and judicial branch. And then that same year they joined the UN. And then I think the year after they joined the Council of Europe, but not the European Union just yet. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville. Oh, 
right? It's- oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, so you may be asking yourself, why do we care? (laughs) I mean, it's tiny. Uh, That's definitely a pet interest of this program. But there are also some other features of Andorra in terms of the geography and the economics of the region that are pretty, pretty neat. Um, So Andorra basically is is made up of these little little packets of, of mountain valleys. Remember, we talked about how the valleys have been occupied, you know, for a long time. Their streams, the streams of these valleys actually form the uh, Valera River, not the Valerian River for you Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragons folks out there. That's not real. Um, Spoiler alert, the Valera River, pretty close sounding though. Two of those uh, streams that uh, that form that larger body of water, the Madriu and the Parafita, they actually flow into the Madriu Parafita Clearer Valley that occupies about a tenth of the entire landmass of Andorra. It's gorgeous. It has these glaciers and these valleys, these very steep valleys, and all of these really lush kind of open pastures. And this area, if anyone's familiar with UNESCO World Heritage Sites, those are, you know, parts of the world that are, you know, points of interest or remarkable in some way or have some sort of historical meaning. Um, This was added to the UNESCO World Heritage Site uh, list in 2004. But the interesting part is this, that with all of that glory, all of that, you know, visual splendor, we do have some pretty, you know, kind of harsh landscapes, I guess, glaciers, glacial landscapes, not necessarily the most cultivatable, you know, for uh, for agriculture. So only a very small percentage of the land in Andorra can be used for livestock. So the actual economy really is centered more on sheep and uh, harvesting pretty minor amounts of uh, wheat, grapes, olives, tobacco, uh, and potatoes. Yeah, and, you know, astute, ridiculous historians, you'll notice a couple of those things are things that came from, you know, the North and South American continents, potatoes and tobacco in particular. And this is this is something that a lot of mountainous regions struggle with, the idea of arable land. Because 
they were uh, victims of geography there, to be quite honest about it. Their industry was limited to processing this stuff and then to making handicrafts, but they also didn't have very much in the way of taxes and they didn't have a lot of custom duties. And that continues today, which means Andorra has become this big clearinghouse for retail trade. And that means it's huge for tourism. It's huge for shoppers. People living along the French or Spanish border might say, oh, let's let's pop over to Andorra. I don't know why they have a British accent. Okay, backstory. I'm making a backstory. They're they're British retirees and they they live they live in Spain and they go to Andorra to get the cheap cigarettes or the cheap booze. Can we also say really quick, just addressing British listeners, we know we're doing a British accent that doesn't exist anymore. That's why we're doing it. It's better to do that one than to try and approximate like we're not, you know, being actors here. We're doing a silly bit of a voice that doesn't exist because it's funny. I love it. I do. I can do. Yeah. True story, folks. I can do passable, much more realistic British accents, but we like the fun ones the same way that your favorite uh, British comics might like the fun American accents. Now, listen here. Uh Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like Harlan. (laughs) <laughs> oh so, gosh we, we, uh, we, we, yeah we mean Mitchell we mean left. no offense and if anything we're doing it to prevent offense but i have noticed a few emails where it's like geez you guys no one talks like we 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 get it so yes think but this and all is mended so on and so on uh all right here's the thing though tourism's big now of course being mountainous it's uh also a huge draw for people who enjoy winter sports skiing snowboarding etc the construction industry has been doing well because of all the tourism and uh there's one line that might sound like a throwaway but you need to think about it the banking sector is also economically significant this is not unusual with a lot of the tiny tiny uh european nations and and Andorra is the sixth smallest European nation. And uh, we we talked about how it's not a member of the European Union. What are the, do they have like Andorran currency? No, they basically use the euro. They don't have the Andorran pound. <laughs> they basically if you go into a shop you're going to you're going to use a euro. You know, you could you could try to make an Andorran pound, but it, it probably counts as counterfeiting. It counts as counterfeiting, whatever. Uh so in, I think, July of 2011, they made a deal with the European Union that made the euro its official currency, but they can't issue their own banknotes. There's also no railway system. There is one small airport. You know, there's a university that was established in 1997. It's not a bad place to live. And you know what's neat about this? Because it's landlocked, it's insulated, it's like sandwiched in between Spain and France. I would argue, even if it's not on paper part of the European Union, it functionally is, right? Like maybe that's just a way to get out of taxation requirements. Yeah, I mean, that's what allows them to have their essential like duty-free lounge, you know, like uh, there's sort of this like liminal space that exists for, you know, vacationing and and shopping mainly. It's, yeah, absolutely. That would be, they'd be kind of sunk without it. Yeah, it's almost like the duty-free store for Spain and France. And I think we got to go back, uh, we got to go back, you guys, to this weird governmental 
structure. And Max, I know this stood out for you too. So they're represented internationally by these co-princes. That's what makes them a co-principality. They're headed, their government is headed by the delegates from these areas. So right now, 2022, the nation of Andorra is led by two foreign individuals, a bishop from a city in Spain and the president of France. That means the leaders of Andorra are currently Joan Enrique Vives, uh, Isacilia, and Emmanuel Macron. Uh, and neither of them live there. Just going to no. put that out there. No, they sure don't. But there are some remnants that, that might seem a little more like Lord of the Ringsian kind of. Uh, they have something called the General Council of the Valleys, which is a 28-member body responsible for kind of, you know, administering internal functions uh, of, you know, government, both as a kind of an informal legislature and a cabinet that, that is headed up by a prime minister. Yeah, yeah. So they have, so like despite the the strange past of their government, they do have elections. They do vote for these representatives. And, you know, the, you can you can learn easily about the cycle of how their elections work. Right now, most of the real power has been transferred from those co-princes to that general council. And they do have universal suffrage, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they are modernized. But Max pointed out something really interesting that I liked. The council, because it's such a small country, the council is about 0.36 of the country's population. For comparison, the United States... Uh, Congress, that's 435 House of Rep members and 100 senators, that's about 0.00016% of the U.S. population. So lest you cast aspersions on Andorra, dear American friends, remember that their government is, you know, arguably way more representative than the U.S. government. They probably all know each other, too. That's how I feel. I feel like they know each other. Now they can raise money through taxation. They've got independent judges. People can form trade unions and political parties. Still, though, those co-princes, those two foreign individuals, are the constitutional heads of state. Like uh, several other European countries, this is primarily a ceremonial role. Sort of how, like in the United Kingdom, the late queen, now king, the the crown basically, uh, can just change any law they want, but there's this implied understanding that they'll never actually do it. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. It's a ceremonial role. Also, if we want to backtrack to the uh, representation, I got a, a weird United States example. Do you guys know about the massive House of Representatives they have in New Hampshire? I've oh. heard a little. Yeah. I mean, you know, like with the past election and stuff, you know, I was just watching some news conference and someone was talking about this. There is 400 members in the New Hampshire House of Representatives. That little tiny state has 400 members. It's, it's I, I got the Wikipedia page pulled up right now. It is one legislator for every 3,300 residents. Well, that's great. Yeah, it's weird. It's like New Hampshire. I think it's like twice the size of Pennsylvania's. I mean, isn't that the closest thing to a, rep- a true representative democracy that you can think of? Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty close, but granted, I mean... Uh, granted, I recently, it's the granite uh, state. Uh, okay, I'll end it there. <laughs> no, no, I, I just had to... No pun left behind, Max. Max. 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonnevilles. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I I said El Camino (laughs) and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. 
Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're picturing, you know, this, if you're picturing like the, the, the first Pink Panther movie, kind of like, you know, opulent Europeans assembled in Swiss. Uh, chalets with their finest, you know, wool sweaters, woolen sweaters and, and booties. Uh, you're probably not too far off. Um, it is located high in the Eastern Pyrenees Mountains, right there between France and Spain. It does have this kind of lovely mountain scenery, but it is very well known for its winter sporting opportunities. You got skiers and snowboarders that come there. There's a tiny little town uh, called Encamp, which is kind of fun. And that is a base for the uh, Paz de la Casa and the Grau Roig uh, ski areas. Um, you also have another giant ski attraction called Grand Valera, which there's a reference to that uh, river, um, between Andorra la Vela and uh, Le Escaldes. So if you're not into skiing and showing off your finest cashmere, why not check out some sightseeing in uh, the kind of, you know, the sort of set in time, kind of frozen in time places like where, you know, these villages. Uh, one such example would be El Serrat, which is high in the mountains and uh, La Cortenada, where you can see a beautiful church called uh, the uh, Marti de la Cortenada. Um, and these are very picturesque, charming little bergs uh, right northwest of the uh, capital city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is cool too because for people who live in the region, it's an awesome day trip. You're only a few hours from Barcelona, like three hours drive from Barcelona, and uh, three hours from Toulouse. So this is a great spot to take the kids. They're not paying us to say that. We just know it to be the case. Also, I gotta tell you, not everybody's a fan of Andorra. There's one guy, Alistair Bland, who wrote a Smithsonian Magazine article. We love Smithsonian here. That offend, essentially is like a hit piece on Andorra. It's called Andorra, the ugliest country in Europe? Question mark. Question mark. Right. Yes. And uh, he says that Andorra used to be a pretty cool place, but they have sold out, right? They have gone too commercial when you look through what he's saying about it, probably the line that stands out the most is, uh, he says, when the Andorans saw the mountainous land that would be theirs just upslope of Spain and south of France, I think I know what they would have said. Crummy. It's going to be tough to build shopping malls up there. So, you know, that's like classic snarky European writing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, let's just be real. It's, it's hard for places to be completely, you know, beautiful places that do rely on tourism to be completely untouched by commercialism. But it does sound like because of that kind of duty-free zone uh, that we mentioned that maybe commercialism has taken over in a, in a bit of a maybe an icky way. Uh, I, I've not been to Andorra. Have, have either of you fellows been to Andorra? Not quite yet. Not no, quite yet. I have not. Maybe, I, maybe we'll I do will... a group field trip. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll it'll be a day trip. But uh, Bland is seeming to argue that the whole place is just two skips and a hop away from becoming a amusement park or something. But but get well, there while it, you can. It does remind me of a little 
town near Atlanta here called Helen, Georgia, mm-hmm. um, that is, it was basically constructed to look like a German village uh, with a lot of that architecture and those kind of multicolored little row houses. And, you know, they've got little shops that sell pralines and fudge and they do October Oktoberfest there. But as it turns out, there's no real tie to German culture and history there at all. Uh, but you would think there was. Um, it's entirely basically like this little fantasy land, kind of like an amusement park vibe. But I like it. I, I like to go. People rag on Helen. Um, they've got good tubing opportunities there. Mm-hmm. There's some little funnel rivers. Cake. That you can, yeah, funnel cake. Oh, it's like going to the, 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 the county fair, but you can like tube and, and drink giant steins of beer. And they've got some really good German food there. But it is unusual that there really is no actual connection to culture. It's sort of manufactured culture. It seems like Andorra doesn't necessarily have that egregious of an example of this, but it could be that they're heading in that direction. Well, I, you know, I'm a big fan of weirdly specific things. So to Helen, I would also add uh, to a lesser degree, Avondale, Georgia has, Mm -hmm. uh, has this stretch where the builders said, let's make things look like Shakespearean times. And someone said, why? And then someone said, shut up, we're building it. And then Americana over in Brazil, I want to say, the world is full of amazing places like this. And we'd love to hear from everybody who has had a chance to travel to Andorra. Let us know uh, what your tips and tricks are. And as we said, It's not even the smallest country in Europe. It's number six, the smallest officially recognized country in the world out of the 197 or so that have some kind of recognition is, of course, Vatican City. It's also the only place where you can find ATMs in Latin. And while you're helping us explore new and fascinating things, fellow ridiculous historians, we would love to return the favor and help you explore some new and fascinating things, such as the other shows on the ridic- in the Ridiculous Universe. Correct. Uh, you like a little crime, but not so much of the blood and gore? Well, check out Zarin and Elizabeth, uh, our pals over at Ridiculous Crime. It's a delightful exploration of all things kind of absurd in the world of true crime, but with none of the kind of, you know, misery porn that so much of other true crime podcasts tend to lean on. What else we got? Well, we also have Ridiculous Romance with our pals Diana and Eli. Uh, They are the nicest couple. They're married in real life, and every week they bring you stories of the strangest kinds of romance. It's not always amorous either because love is a many splendored thing. And while you're doing all that, why not check out uh, some guest appearances, most recently by Noel, also by me as well, on Ridiculous News by uh, Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Correct. They do a couple of different types of episodes every week, uh, including News Roundup episodes, which is what I was lucky enough to be a guest on wherein they just sort of explore some of the headlines of the week through a very thoughtful and, dare I say, ridiculous lens. And I got to read some kind of mundane headlights and and silly voices. So that was a lot of fun. So definitely check out all of these pure podcasts in the Ridiculous Extended uh, Universe. And as always, thanks to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our track. Thanks to Jonathan Strickland, our own little Andorra of Ridiculous History. Remember Andorra from Bewitched? Samantha's uh, mother? Mm-mm. 
Yeah, it was, it was uh, uh, Samantha's uh, kind of crazy mother-in-law, played by the incredibly named, very uh, uh, charming Agnes Moorhead. Also, huge thanks to Christopher Hasiotis here in spirit. Got to see corporeally the other day for a little get-together thingy at our new offices. Um, hope to have him on the show very soon. We've been teasing that for a minute, but uh, our man's been a little bit slammed, but um, we're going to get back to that very soon. And in the meantime, of course, thanks also to Eve's Jeffcoat. Thanks to Gabe Lussier. Thanks to Dr. Zach. Thanks to Jeff Bartlett. Thanks to, I'll say it, the one and only Mr. Casey Pegram. All right, folks, uh, stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. And uh, hey, maybe catch us on the road to Andorra. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.